We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Tyrese Halliburton and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by the one and only Michael. The J is for July basketball. Fachi, Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, always like a new one, and that is right. July basketball summer league is upon us. Alex, it felt great to see the boys back out there, especially a couple faces that we saw out there for the first time in a Pacers uniform. No, there's no doubt about it. It's always exciting to see those guys for the first time representing the blue and gold, especially after the draft. So really, uh, I know we're going to talk about this, but I think one of the most popular conversations during this game was, do we like the Pacers summer league jerseys better more than the Pacers iconic and association jerseys? Uh, I, I put a tweet out basically got a lot of feedback and it was a mixed bag of people's opinions on that but i'm curious where do you stand on these summer league jerseys compared to the uh iconic and the association jerseys they currently have right now i I mean i don't know i i liked it i didn't love it i feel like it had a a summer league type look to it (laughs) like something different where it didn't look like nba official type you know so you know like it didn't over the top love it what were your thoughts yeah, so I'll say this. I think the, the Summer League jerseys have stepped up their game quite a bit from back yeah. in the day. I mean, if you go back Definitely. and look at them, they just look like straight-up practice jerseys. <laughs> exactly. So, 
you know, they're doing a lot better. I kind of liked the blue and gold being a little bit more uh, clear and a little bit like clean with the the design. But yeah, the one that they currently have from 1718, I think when they made the switch over to Nike, the one that, uh, you know, Rooster got his jerseys of like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think those are fine for sure. But I think I'm just kind of ready for something different. And yeah. after five years, you just kind of get tired of the same one. And we had that boring Pacers jersey forever. That was rough. Yeah. Um, the, the one before these. So I, I'm not expecting them to make any changes soon because they're very into like the like whole like, oh, it means we're the Circle City, you know, race cars mm-hmm. and all that. It's like, I, I just don't really care that much about that stuff. I just care about mm-hmm. basketball. But, you know, a lot of people were comparing these Pacers Summer League jerseys to kind of how the Jazz jerseys look now, very clean and stuff like that. Okay. But yeah. Um, it didn't really do anything for me either way. I thought they it were didn't. fine. But the gold popped on the Navy, I won't lie. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, other, I mean other than that, it's just it's just a jersey. I mean, I'm not that upset exactly. about it. Exactly. That, that's kind of how I look. Look, I, mean, I think about it. Either the jersey's like fire, it's unbelievable. Oh, my God. Like, look at the pinstripes in here. Or you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it's all right. So, that's kind of where it was. It was like, it's not those... uh practice jerseys that you talked about in the past that like Paul George, like Lance Stevenson were wearing or anything like that. But you know, it's nothing to say. I I need to buy one of those. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I got one, it'd be cool for the memories, but that's about the extent of it. I don't think I'm going to pay for uh, a summer league Jersey just because it's just (laughs) not worth it. But I will say this, we really have messed up the whole Jersey concept thing. Like if you ask almost any NBA player now, what their favorite Jersey of all time is, they always directly go back to the nineties. And I think, Everything comes full circle a lot of times with how fashion trends go and stuff like that. But I think it's time for the NBA jerseys to kind of get a whole entire rehaul, an overhaul, remake, and go back to the 90s and pull some of the great artwork that was done there and be a little bit more bold with their jerseys because this simplistic style that we have going on now, it's it's fine, but it's super boring. I like seeing the creativity that came with all those old jerseys back in the 90s. Of course. And it's so easy to you know, get nostalgic because look, that's the era that we grew up in. But those jerseys, they just had so much life to them. You know, there was just so much popping off, you know, the the fabric, I guess you'd say, instead of the page. And it just feels like now they just got so simple and, you know, there's nothing really to it. Like if you're going to wear, if you're really going to compliment someone on a jersey, it's typically going to be a throwback jersey from the past. And, you know, I have a ton of those, uh, the old, whatever, whatever they were, you know, Reebok or whatever, the old jerseys from the 90s. Adidas, maybe, yeah. Adidas, yeah. Well, love those. Great. The jerseys now, they just seem so, I don't know, just not like as flashy. And then there's so many different color schemes now, too. It's hilarious. Like, you'll be watching a game and you're like, oh, the Utah Jazz are wearing black now. Okay. Like, that team mm-hmm. used to be purple and, and white growing up with... Yep. You know, and they changed to Navy a little bit during the Darren Williams. It's like there's so many color scheme changes that happen over time with different teams. But I just like the way they were. You could just tell if the Raptors were playing. You saw the dinosaur on the jersey. You oh, knew yeah. exactly who was playing. The Pacers had the pinstripes at this point, And everybody knew, okay, that's Indiana. We know what their jerseys look like. So I just feel like at least you could tell what each team was. Where nowadays it's like so many people have like 15 different jerseys like I don't need the Celtics wearing black. The Celtics are green and white. Like, yeah, exactly. Let's just keep it that way. That, that's how we know them. Okay, so anyway, we got off our rant now. We can start the show now, uh, officially, <laughs> and get into what we thought about Summer League. So 
I, I sent you a text basically saying, like, let's just pick like three things that we liked from summer league debuts, but we don't have to do that. We can just kind of go back and forth talking about this because I feel like we could probably talk about each player a little bit, yeah. give the, each player a little bit of shine. So I'll let you pick. Who do you want to start with and where do you want to go? I mean, I think Jarris Walker should be the first shout out because, you know, look, let's just cover it all. Look, offensively, got off to a little bit of a rough start. 0 of 6, ended up finishing 3 of 13 shooting. I have never cared less about what a player shot than in this scenario with Jarris Walker because the rest of what he brought to the table was that impressive. This man was everywhere. 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Three blocks, three steals. The blocks, they weren't just like, okay, yeah, he got a piece of that. They were forceful rejections like that I felt like was like hurting the Wizards to their core. Like he was sending these back. And I just felt like this man's defensive IQ is so far ahead of being 19 years old that in one game of Summer League, you just knew he has the defensive instincts that you cannot teach. Yeah, I, I will say this. I was re-watching the game today uh, in the afternoon, and I was just kind of blown away by how he's just everywhere defensively, Fachi. Like, just constant energy the whole time. He's talking a lot. They had him mm-hmm. mic'd up at points. You were able to hear what he had to say. Very smart basketball IQ. Like, we know, talking to a lot of people, that he has a great feel for the game. Some of the assists that he had, he just Oof. constantly is is making the right play for the team. And you talked about his shooting. Let's just be honest. His offensive game was pretty ugly. Um, it was. In terms of his shooting and scoring, like I'm like, ooh, some of these shots look bad. His jump mm-hmm. shot didn't look great. And that is a little bit concerning just because you got to wonder, like, how is he going to develop this shot over time? It's going to be a, a very much of a work in progress because he could be a liability on the offensive end if he continues to be like that as a shooter. But in terms of everything else, and, th- and these are overreactions of Summer League Game 1, so that's what we're doing here. But Of course. The rebounding, Fachi, you know, 13 rebounds. And these weren't just rebounds that came to him. He was hungry. He was like hungry hippo grabbing those rebounds. The guy was everywhere trying to get the ball and get the possession for his team. And the five assists, the the three steals, three blocks. Like, it was just like constantly he was in all these plays at the right time, making the right read. There was a couple times he got out of position, but that happens. He's young. He's trying to figure things out. But I just feel like he has such a great feel for the game and such a good basketball IQ, as well as a a very well ready-made NBA body, because we've talked about that. But when you see it up against NBA talent, yeah, you can just tell this guy is going to be a bruiser with these guys. And, you know, I I felt myself just getting excited seeing him do all the, the really great things well. I was just like so disappointed with the shooting. I was like, man, this looks really rough. But everything else that he did was so good. It's just one of those things where you're like, okay, the shooting is going to have to come along, but if he can do all the other small things so well already so early, like you said, at 19, man, it feels like he's got a very, very, very high floor. Yeah, I mean, he did nail one three. Sure, one five from three, but seeing him hit one was like, okay, all right, great. There we go. Hey, he he (laughs) can do it. I know, you know, he was able to shoot about 35% in college, but seeing one go in was very encouraging. And he finished better in the second half. Like I mentioned, 0 of 6 from the field. Well, in the second half, at least 3 of 7. So he got better with that. But, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he was doing it on the perimeter. He was doing it in the interior defense. He was stopping 
dropping the ball in transition. We saw him poke the ball out. Like he was doing yeah. just a little bit of everything. And when you want to talk about a basketball IQ, one of the most puzzling situations out there was he hits his first free throw. Then I guess they go to like a commercial break or whatever it is. He misses the second free throw, gets his own rebound, gets the easiest basket anyone will ever get in their <laughs> life. He was the only player that knew what was going on. So shout out to Jairus Walker on that. That was awesome. Um, but then also playmaking standpoint. We heard all, all throughout the draft, underrated passer, underrated passer, five assists in his first possible showing was awesome, but the passes were all different. He had touch passes. He had bounce passes. He had a behind-the-back pass. He had fast break pass. Mm -hmm. He had a little bit of everything, so you could see, like, oh, my God. Like, I know everyone kept throwing out Draymond, Draymond as a comparison. Like, And it's easy to always go there, but, like, you could see enough of the, okay, hey, look, Draymond rebounds far better than his six-foot-seven frame. Passing ability, great. You know, steal is awesome. Like, there was a lot to say Jarris Walker, even if he doesn't score for the Pacers, can make a huge impact in the regular season. And I don't need, we don't need him to average 15 points per game. If he's given us six points or so, or eight points, but he's crashing the glass, making plays happen just defensively a little bit, you know, in every direction, that's going to be huge for the Pacers. And I think on just the first showing that we were exposed to, we immediately said, yep, that was the guy the Pacers had to take. I'd pick seven or eight, whatever you want to consider it, you know, following the trade. I'll just say this. I, I think that we shouldn't have been so dismissive on him starting over Obi Toppin. Even though, you know, we were like, oh, Obi's going to start. Like, and we, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think at this point, seeing all the things that Jairus does and, and how he can be so impactful defensively and on the glass, he might be a better fit next to a guy like Miles and potentially the rest of the starting lineup based on who's in there just because. He's going to do the dirty work. I think he's going to take the challenge of guarding some of the best players when it comes to that point. And it's going to be a work in progress because there's still some times where he was gambling, doing some stuff that he probably shouldn't have yeah. done out of position. But I'm not going to get too nitpicky on it. It's summer league, right? It's one of those things where he's just trying to get acclimated with the Pacers offense and the guys that he's playing with. And then it's just been a whirlwind for these guys. You know, they just go from oh, yeah. you know post NCAA tournament to you know, the pre-draft process to getting drafted and thrown into summer league practices. Like, it's a lot of stuff thrown their way. So I'll just say this. I think overall to kind of put a bow on Jairus Walker before we move on, um, I just haven't really ever felt like we've had a power forward that's been this aggressive on the glass to get rebounds and just actively go out and get them. Because a lot of times you see guys that are, like, just in position. Like, Sabonis had a lot of those, which he mm -hmm. still went out and got a lot, but he was always just kind of in position to get them where Jairus was kind of like flying all over the court, it felt like, to secure the rebound. And I think we haven't really seen that maybe since Thad Young, but even Thad Young wasn't like a double-digit rebounder every single game. So we'll see how many rebounds Jairus averages as he plays throughout the NBA. But 30 minutes, getting 13 rebounds, I feel like if he were to play that many minutes a game, it would be shocking to see him have, you know, less than 10 because he just felt like such uh, an active forward on the glass and, as much as we criticize Miles for that, that could be a nice pairing next to Miles having someone that's that efficient on the glass. Absolutely, yeah. To tie my uh, bow around it, it definitely feels like an eight to ten rebound guy. Eight rebounds would have led the Pacers last year, so that's everything that you want, especially in a guy who's nineteen years old. And when you're talking about, you know, should he start or shouldn't he? Let's factor this in. 
there's only one ball to go around. And if yeah. Jarris Walker starts, he doesn't need the ball. Obi Toppin, you know, this is a guy that you're bringing in for offense. So who knows what happens? Obviously, this is that recency bias where, you know, maybe if he didn't have that great of a game, we'd say, yep, yeah, that's exactly why he's coming off the bench. But that is why <laughs> Summer League is awesome. Because if someone shines, they're the greatest thing that, that ever came to the Pacers. And if they don't play too well, you say, yeah, you know what? It could be a long year. But moving to the next guy, I'd say let's do Benedict Matherin. Because Benedict Matherin, we knew, okay, you're you're going to play maybe two summer league games, but I want to see him dominate. And in the beginning, he hunted for a shot a lot. It felt a little bit forced. Had the four turnovers in the first half. It was kind of like, oh, man, like, I don't know. Matherin should be like, killing him right now. Second half really got to work. Ended up finishing the game 27 points, 9 of 21 shooting. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, 27 points. I mean, come on. You couldn't have asked for anything more than that. He looked like an assassin on the court. There were a couple things I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. That's from his jump shot. Three of ten from three. He was putting them up. But I guess if he hits one more, it's 40%. So you can't be too mad about it. And then lastly, I would just say, you know, the zero assists didn't surprise me. You know, I would have liked to maybe seen a little bit more ball movement, but Matherin hunts. Oh, man, Ben Matherin, this is a tough one to talk about because, yes, like you said, he came on strong, finished with 27 points on the team in scoring. And he was and he was good at that. And, and I'm not going to knock him for being what he was good at because exactly. that's just stupid. But, you know, the one assist that he didn't get credit for because there was a foul and the guy and Oscar Sheboy didn't make the basket. Yeah, he did get double teamed and he made a great pass to Oscar Sheboy in the middle of the floor and Sheboy got fouled. And, you know, to me, it's like, OK, that's growth from Matherin because that's a tough pass to make. And he made it. I felt like at the very beginning of the first quarter you saw a very aggressive Matherin on defense. He was kind of in the shorts mm-hmm. of Johnny Davis there for a couple of plays. And then as the game went on, it's almost like he went back to his lazy tendencies and his screen navigation was poor. There was one where he kind of started like chatting with Isaiah Jackson about, you know, switching and that kind of stuff, because I feel like Matherin just kind of reacts late to stuff. It's not like it's like a natural instinct for him to fight through screens or really, uh, you know, just know how to navigate the screens. And I was a little bit disappointed because I'm like, okay, yeah, you've been off for a couple months and I'm sure this kind of stuff is hard to practice off the court when or you know in the offseason when you're not really playing a lot of uh basketball like a lot of five on five and working on that stuff specifically but the NBA is full of pick and rolls and pick and pops and that kind of stuff and I think he's just going to have to continue to work on that because defensively if he does not grow on that side of the basketball then it's going to be one of those things where he becomes a guy that just puts the ball in the hoop and is a liability defensively and I don't think he'll be able to reach the ceiling that we both think that he has if he doesn't get better defensively so the shooting, I'm not even upset about three of ten from three. Like, yeah, we want to see him get above 35% from three. I felt like one of the plays where he shot a three, someone kind of threw him a bad pass, and he kind of had to bend down lower to pick it up, and then he shot it after, and it swished it. I was like, okay, maybe he needs to get a little bit lower on his jump shot when he starts off. Maybe he doesn't bend his knees enough sometimes. Maybe it's because he's tired. So just little things like that. But we saw some really nice mature plays from him. The hesitation that he had on one of the drives in the first half was very smooth, had the defense kind of, you know, on skates there because they weren't really sure what to do. And I think we know that Matherin is such a good driver and an initiator of offense. Um, But it's just the little things like the assists. Yeah, he's got to continue to work on being more of a passer because there was one, I think, um, I want to say like he got a Isaiah Jackson had like a steal or something and Matherin went up and grabbed the ball. And instead of just taking the ball and dribbling up the court, 
he tried to throw like a fast break situation Isaiah Jackson but the defense was right there on Isaiah Jackson and Isaiah Jackson's a big that doesn't really dribble that much so uh yeah. it hasn't had an instant turnover and it's like okay that's just one of those plays where Matherin was being a little bit careless I think there was another one where he had the steal and I think or it was a block if Isaiah Jackson had a block or something and instead of rewarding Isaiah Jackson running the floor with him and throwing an alley-oop he tried laying it up he ended up missing it Jackson got the put back but like that yep. is where Tyrese would have thrown that off the glass for Ajax and dunk it. And it's just like they're two Easily. different players, but that's where he can grow, where he's showing, hey, I'm not always going to be the selfish player taking the shot. And I think that'll wear on people eventually if he continues to do that. But like I said, it's overreaction summer league game one, but want to just see him develop a little bit better in the passing area. I completely agree because now here's where I'm at. If Matherin goes out there, kills it once more, drops down 25 points or so, it's like, all right, that's it. Take them out because I want to see that ball move around a little bit more to get everybody else involved. Because when he's out there, I mean, look, it, it's just it feels like he's just attack, attack, attack. He's going to run at you. He's going to draw fouls. He's going to go to the line or he's going to finish it in the paint. And it's great. Come the regular season. Hey, look, if he's scoring 20 a game or, or something of that sort, we'll all be thrilled. But now is the time to kind of, you know, draw on the defense and spread it around a little bit more. Add that to your game because that was a knock from last year. Defensively, you know Carlisle's going to hold him accountable, but no longer has that luxury of like, okay, well, you're not going to start until you do this. Like, nope, you get that feeling that Matherin has to start. And given what he showed last year, it feels like that's the right move. But you can't hold him back too much. But we just kind of hope we want to see a, a little bit more than just scoring. And maybe that's just us nitpicking because the man dropped 27 <laughs> on pretty efficient shooting, you know, so you can't complain too much. But next, who's the who's the next guy you want to go to? Do we want to go more positive or negative? Uh, let's. I'll go positive. I'll stay on another one positive. Okay. One guy I want to say is Kendall Brown. And okay. look, there was other guys we probably could have highlighted ahead of him. Kendall Brown showed something to me. Nine okay. points. Five blocks, yeah. four rebounds. He did it on four of six shooting. Defensively, he was super active. I honestly believe if a casual NBA fan, not knowing a single player, watched this game and saw Kendall Brown, they would think that guy is somebody. They would say, oh, wow, that guy's a stud. And it just felt like he made the most out of his minutes. 20 minutes, look what he came up with. In the first half, he was three of three. He had three blocks. It was just, he looked like, wow, on a two-way contract, if this guy stays healthy, he's going to develop this year, and he brings something to the table that the Pacers don't have a lot of. That's that length that he has at six foot eight as a, you know, could play a guard, could play small forward. I really like that. Um, so Kendall Brown, it was refreshing to see him healthy and just out there on the court. And he was really active, and he's long, and he's fast, and he fits in with what this Pacers team's trying to be like. So I still think he's a ways away from being yes. um, in the rotation or even on the 50-man roster. Like, this roster is pretty loaded, and I think that there's a lot of things he needs to work on as well. But, like, filling the, the lanes and that kind of stuff and being active on defense, like, that's stuff that he can easily do. And I want to see him get more reps in the G League just because injuries last year, I felt like, really hampered his season. So oh, yeah. I thought it was great to see him back, though, because that was one of the things I was concerned about, like, how does he move and how does he play? But if you watch it, like a lot of his stuff is better when he's off ball as like an off ball cutter, um, catch and shoot kind of guy. He's not really a shooter yet either. I think he's still got to nah. work on that, but he's more of a slasher guy because 
I think there was a couple different possessions that I remember where he had the ball and he like went to put the ball on the floor and he got called for a travel because mm-hmm. he put two, you know, he, he took two steps before he put the ball down. And I was like, uh, yeah, like he switched pivot foots. It's like, okay, this guy's definitely not a driver. So I'm like, okay, we know that he's not going to be one that's just going to constantly try to create offense for himself. But if he can do the other things and kind of fill that role, Flatchy, as like a like a, a secondary rim protector, kind of because he's got the length. He's six foot ten, so he does uh, the athleticism. Just get in the passing lanes, use that length for that reasoning. Be able to play a little bit of small ball five at times. I think he could even do that because he's tall enough, but. More so play the four. I think he's more of a four than he is a three right now with his shot. So uh, he's a good player. And I, I think that we were really excited about him last year in the draft process because we saw the upside with him. I think the injuries definitely gave you a little bit of a sour taste because you're just like, eh, are we going to be able to count on this guy? Because it felt like he had multiple injuries last year. So, so just seeing him out there healthy was number one for me. And number two, um, just the impact that he had, just kind of being – uh, like the Energizer Bunny out there up for this Pacers team off the bench because you get, you need people like that, especially in summer league. And with having guys like Nimhard who can really feed them the basketball, I think that he fits in kind of perfectly with what the Pacers are trying to do there. So I, I liked him a lot. But other than that, the rest of the bench did not really show me much. No, if we're just, you know, talking about the bench as a whole, just to make it a little bit easier – uh, the Mojave King, two minutes. I mean, that was probably the worst case scenario right there. I'm just like, oh, I know. man. And so we're not even going to play him in summer league. Like, ugh. So we'll have to wait and see on him. Uh, Oscar. Oscar had, it was pretty much all in one sequence, back-to-back offensive rebounds off of missed three-pointers, <laughs> just batting a sea of wizards, just going up, grabbing it, going back up with it until he got fouled. He actually had four free throw attempts. That was the third most on the Pacers. He only played eight minutes. That's what yeah. happens when you work down low and contest for rebounds. So uh, other than that, he didn't play too much. But then lastly, I uh, off the bench, Isaiah Wong, 17 minutes, you know, six points. He had six fouls. He had four turnovers. Um, it, it wasn't a great showing, but I think it looked that – Yeah, exactly. Like, look, I didn't want to, you know – Kick the man wise down. It wasn't a great showing, and I, I don't think this is someone that we expect to see on the roster. But as guys like Nemhard and Matherin move off of the summer league team, you look forward to seeing what Isaiah Wong could do. You know, kind of running that that first unit for summer league. Um, but the bench outside of Kendall Brown, not great. Uh, and then a lot of the longer shots, we didn't even see those guys, which I thought was fine because they'll have plenty of time. But Alex, one guy that we got to give, you know, we got to touch on because he he did look good. There was some things to work, you know, work on. Isaiah Jackson, Isaiah Jackson. Going before we get three. there, before we get sure. there, can I just give a little bit of a a nice little commentary on the bench before I move on? Yeah, because I know I, I kind of breezed over because I said Brown was the best bench player. Oscar was fine for the eight minutes that he played. The only person with a negative plus minus minus four, Oscar Sheboy. It's what he did in college. I mean. This guy was, I don't know. I, I, I'm i kind of torn on him because I know you love him so much. I'm trying to be nice here. But I thought, I saw that clip on uh, the Pacers Twitter page where he got those two rebounds back to back. And I'm like, okay, I can see why Fachi likes him. This guy is just a rebounding machine. I said, I can't wait to go back and watch this game because I was out and about last night and I didn't get to watch it in full effect. And I was like, okay. Then all of a sudden I look at his box score and I said, 
that one possession is the only two rebounds he had in the whole time he played. Uh, but I will say this. He he definitely was active on the glass, but there was a couple possessions where the Wizards got like five or six straight offensive rebounds when he was out there. And I thought, man, I thought he was better rebounder than this. I, I don't know. I think I'm still trying to warm up to him because you set the bar so high for me by your love for him that maybe I was expecting more than I should have. But um, same way with Isaiah Wong, because I've heard a lot of draft people talk about like his competitiveness. We've had guys come on the show. I've talked to people in DMs that just say, oh, you know, he should have been drafted. He's a competitor. This guy couldn't handle the basketball. He could not handle the pressure of NBA defense in summer league. It just looked like it was too, uh, they were like too aggressive with him. And he got his pocket picked a couple of different times. Like he didn't want anything to do with the basketball in terms of handling it. So I was a little bit disappointed with them. And Mojave King didn't even play long enough to realize he was even on the floor unless you're really paying attention. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Oscar, if he gets more than eight minutes and can kind of settle and improve himself more, yes. But I just felt like Isaiah Wong, um, I didn't love what I saw from him either. Just seemed a little bit timid out there. I think at this point, it's just the first game jitters probably because it's their first action of summer league trying to prove themselves and why they belong. But I just felt like he did not look comfortable out there at all. No, he didn't. And Isaiah Wong at pick 55, you know, that's really where if you get a contributor, you're pretty lucky. So we'll see what happens with Isaiah Wong when it comes down to the two-way spots. I mean, Kendall Brown on a two-way. Yes, absolutely. That That's awesome. Oscar, we'll wait to have to see more. Eight minutes, not really enough. Um, I imagine, you know, he'll have plenty more opportunities when Isaiah Jackson comes off the summer league roster. So we'll see what happens there. But going back to Isaiah Jackson, this was a guy that entering year three, you wanted to see something. And, you know, to an extent you did. I mean, 21 points, 14 rebounds. But there were some things in three blocks. There's some things that weren't that great. One, I wanted to see him extend his range. Everything was pretty much in the paint that I remember. Um, I want. I thought maybe he would try and create, not create for himself a little bit, but like come outside the paint. And then lastly, this is what's been the knock on him for a while. Alex had eight fouls. That's obviously more than you're allowed in the NBA. Summer League allows you to have 10 fouls. If Isaiah Jackson can't stay out of foul trouble, he won't be able to come on the court. And eight fouls for Isaiah Jackson in the first game is just way too much. And I, you know, I, I try not to be so sour. I feel like I'm being really negative on these guys after the summer league, which is so bad for me to do because it's like everyone's excited right now. And I'm over here being, uh, you know, poo-pooing on these guys. You know, Isaiah Jackson, let's be honest, 21 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks. That's a great stat awesome. line. Awesome. Plus 14. I think he had the best plus minus of anybody on the team. Yep. Clearly, you know, you could tell when he wasn't out there, this team missed his presence, especially as a Definitely. rim protector. Uh, we saw Jarris play a little bit of small ball five for a few minutes, not a ton. But I will say this, Isaiah Jackson, when he's on, he's really good. But, like, oh, yeah. he is what he is. I feel like he hasn't really expanded his game like you're talking about. Exactly. And he's only in year three, so there's still time to do it. He's 21 years old. I'm not going to write the guy off. I think that he's probably got the highest ceiling out of all the backup centers that we have. But he hasn't shown that he can be more than a Montrez Harold Light. And that's just the mm-hmm. bottom line. Like even Montrez was shooting threes, I think, at one point. So I Ijax yeah, isn't was- even yeah, Ijax's not even there right now. I think he might be a little bit better defensively, but um, you know, in rim protection and rim protection uh wise, but overall I just the foul trouble, some of the fouls were stupid. Like he didn't even like the one I think Matherin, that bad pass that I was talking about that he threw, it got Isaiah Jackson a foul. 
because Matherin put him in a bad spot. So like, I don't count that one against him, but the other stuff, it's just like getting out of position and trying to recover with your block and you get in foul trouble. He still looks like um, a guy that could add some more muscle to him, more weight to him to be more of a little bit of a beefier five. And, and he's just, he looks pretty thin still. And I hate to say it like that, but just how I feel, but you're right. The, the offensive game outside of the, around the basket and being a lob threat, he just really doesn't seem to have much of that right now. And we've seen flashes of that jump shot where it looked pretty good, but he just hasn't ever been given the opportunity to do that. So maybe it's the Pacers coaching staff asking him to play a certain role where he's not able to expand that offensive game more. But at the same time, you know, you want to see that because when you, when you see guys like miles out there, he's able to do a lot of different stuff on the floor because they're allowing him to do it. I'm not saying he has to be miles, but you know, I, I still feel like Isaiah is a guy that is just a, most productive around the rim and that's all he can really do and then we talk so much about his defense and now he can be the switchable guy and guard multiple different positions and really get out there but it's like every time that he gets switched in a pick and roll it felt like in the in the game last night that when he had a guard on him in the pick and roll like the guards weren't afraid to go at him and it wasn't like he was out there like blocking their shots like we've heard about a couple of years ago when he was a rookie so i think he's still a much um, a major work in progress he has the opportunity to be the backup center this year for this team. Based on what they do with the roster, we're still un- uncertain, but I-, I liked what I saw from him. I think there's a lot of positive things to take away, but I just, I'm just i right there with you. I just feel like he needs to expand his game more to at least be more valuable to this team moving forward. And that, that's the thing. I tweeted out of the things I was looking for in that summer league game before the game happened, and one of it was Isaiah Jackson just – kind of being a little bit more free, trying something different. Just, I don't know, maybe it's like a free throw line-esque shot that maybe in the regular season isn't a great shot, but summer league's the time to go for it. He might only play two summer league games, and if he doesn't at least have the confidence to, you know, shoot outside of the paint, I don't see him having the confidence to do it in the regular season when it actually matters. Mm-hmm. And when I was going through, I believe it was the play-by-play on ESPN, uh, you know, in the box score, just going through it, I believe, I believe he had four fouls in the first half. So yeah, yeah. he wouldn't have really been playing that much after that if it was a regular season game. So he wouldn't have ended up with anywhere near 21 and 14. So on paper, you see 21 and 14 boards on 10 of 12 shooting. You're like, oh my God, this man's a beast. But I, I just, I'm sorry to be the negative Nancy there. We, he needs to stay on the court. So second game, I think is going to be a, a much better sample size in terms of what we see. But then moving on next, Andrew Nemhart. Nemhart, I thought, got us off to a quick start. Uh, you know, from a box score perspective, 14 points, eight assists, six of 14 shooting. One thing that was very worrisome for a guy that really protected the ball well uh, in, in you know last year, eight turnovers. Yeah. Eight assists, eight turnovers. Eesh. But he did have some very good-looking passes. I mean, he was falling down to the ground, had an awesome pass. He had... The, you know, behind the back pass to Oscar that got him a great look. So Nemhard, I felt like, had flashes and a great floater. There was a lot to like, but come on. We just know that, hey, regular season, he's someone who protects the ball. Eight turnovers against a Summer League Wizards team. Eh, Got to protect the rock. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like he looked so good to start off. and he did. I feel like the team really just started like nose diving in the second half once they got that big lead in the Very second much. quarter. And that partially could just be like the Wizards were trying to come out there and prove that they weren't going to like, you know, lay down for this Pacers team because they were down by so many at Summer League. And 
I'm sure Nimhard, Matherin, and Isaiah Jackson are also to the point where they're just like, we're happy to be here, but you know, we're not going to go all out 110%. I felt like early on, the stuff Nimhard was showing was so good, Fachi. Like his poise, his control with the basketball. Oof. You know, it just looked like he was playing rope-a-dope out there and just controlling everything. And the Wizards guards really had no chance with him. Um, I think there was one play where he crossed somebody like coming up the court and I think it led to a Matherin reverse layup or something like that. And it, there was, a, I think the Pacers shared that highlight on, on uh, their, their Twitter page. He but dropped that dude, whoever <laughs> that was on the Wizards. Yeah, it might have been Ryan Rollins. I don't remember, but it was just like, I felt like, okay, this guy is way too good for summer league. And just like the way he was crafting himself inside the paint and getting looks early on. It's just like, if you watch the first half of his game, you can just tell like, okay, he was checked in. He was focused. He was glued. He was, you know, he was dialed in. This guy was ready to go. And so I was like, okay, I'm not worried about Nimhart. I mean, just the fact that all that he showed there made me more excited about what he can become. And, you know, I've been pretty bullish on how I feel about Nimhart. I think he's a very special player and I'm someone I think the Pacers should keep for as long as they possibly can. I even tweeted that out today. Like they've got to keep this guy under contract for as long as possible. And they got to make sure that they continue to, you know, pair him with Halliburton, let him run the second unit, do more like expand his role because I think he's only going to get better. He's just scratching the surface, but you can tell, like you look at a guy like Isaiah Wong, who is an experienced college player. Even last year, I think Nimhard coming into the summer league looked more poised and more controlled than a guy like yes. Isaiah Wong who came in for his first minutes of summer league. So Nimhard to me is just quite a few um, basketball years ahead of some of these guys in terms of just how he plays the game. So getting all that rep, all, getting all the reps that he got last year in the starting lineup and playing a lot without Halliburton out there, you could just tell, like, okay, he's here to do his job to help his other guys get better because I feel like he could have been more aggressive, more selfish, and that kind of stuff. But he just really seemed to try to get others involved. And if those led to some turnovers, then, yeah, it happens. But I think um, he kind of knew the assignment, and it wasn't to go out there and showcase that he can do what he can do because they talked about it. The guy had a game winner over LeBron against the Lakers. Like, this is a major step back in terms of, like, where you're playing ball at. Yeah, what I had tweeted out, I thought that Nemhard looked like the be- one of the best players, if not the best player on the court in the first quarter. He got off to a great start, scored six of our first 11 points, just was moving the ball, immediately looked like, oh, my God, he might be <laughs> going off tonight. So I'm not worried about him one bit because the flashes that we saw were truly amazing. He's going to be really good. And, yeah, to your point, the Pacers got a hold on to him for a while because also, aside from talent, that contract is going to be unbelievable mm-hmm. for him to be making $2 million a year when the Pacers are really going for it. So, lastly, Ben Shepard. Ooh, was mm. he in the game? Ah, oh, you you would think so. You would think, I don't know, I, I must have missed him. Maybe he was a didn't I play? Nope. He actually played 28 minutes, but didn't give really anything. And that, no. that's that's the hard part. One point on 0 of 4, but 0 of 3 shooting from 3. I mean, three boards, there was really nothing happening. I felt like Shepard couldn't really even get open. I I thought he was going to be running around on screens a lot more and getting good looks, and we just didn't get to see that. And I think that this is where I want to try and pump the brakes and not overreact on Summer League Game 1 because I remember Trey Young, when he first came out, he was like the worst Summer League player I had ever seen. And everybody was really worried about him, and he ended up being fine. Now, I'm not saying Ben Shepard's Trey Young, but we didn't really see anything to write home about in game one, so you know he could only go up from here. Yeah, I'll say this. The MVC is probably not nearly as competitive as NBA Summer League in terms of yes. talent. Uh, that's number one. Number two, my cousin texted me last night 
and said, I can't believe we picked Ben Shepard at 26. This guy's not a first-round talent. He's a late second-rounder. Should have drafted Gigi Jackson. Should have drafted Leonard Millard. And I just responded. I said, you feel all this way after one game of Summer League? It's <laughs> just like, you yeah. know, if, if you felt Classic. that way before going into it, like that's totally fine. But here's what I'll say, because I want to I want to give Ben Shepard the benefit of the doubt. He was the fifth option on the starting five. He he was not getting a lot of looks ran for him here. He had four shot attempts, Fachi, over the whole game. And it's like when you have Mather and Nimhart, Isaiah Jackson, Jairus Walker, even, even at some points I felt like Isaiah Wong was a little bit more active with the ball in his hands than Shepard was. He didn't get a lot of looks. So I think when you look at how a lot of teams' summer league rosters are constructed, like last year, Ben Mathern came in right away and was kind of like, okay, we're going to give this guy the ball. The year before that, it was Chris Duarte. Even Aaron Holiday, when he got drafted like 18th overall, he had the ball in his hands. Well, Shepard really didn't have that opportunity. So as we probably see Matherin and Nimhard take a step back and not play in some of these games, then Shepard will be more of the focal point on offense, and I want to see how he handles that because you could tell he was just trying to fit in, find where he fits with this current core as they were trying to get this thing going, and they were playing so well, he didn't really need to do some of this stuff. Like, there was one shot, I think, that got blocked, if I'm not mistaken. It just looked like it took him a while to get his release off, which doesn't really feel like something that I've noticed with Ben Shepard. So I think overall, like, the speed of the game is something he's going to have to really get adjusted to um, defensively, he had some nice moments where he stayed in front of guys, was a little bit physical with them, and I think he's going to continue to get better at that. But, you know, uh, 28 minutes, I think he was probably your sixth best player last night. I think Kendall Brown probably played better than him overall. But Definitely. it's just one of those things where all the guys above him besides Jairus were guys that had experience, and, and Jairus was the eighth overall pick, and Ben was a 26 for a reason, right? He wasn't an eighth overall pick because he wasn't lottery-level talent. So, yeah, it just depends on where you're at, who you're playing with, and 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 how much they're asking you to do. So maybe as Summer League goes along, he gets more comfort, comfortable in his role, uh, settles down a little bit, and then maybe he can kind of showcase who the Pacers fell in love with during this draft process. Because if you're going off this game right here, yeah, I agree with you. You're probably disappointed with how a first-round you know, first round pick played in this game. Yeah. No doubt about it. Look, there's going to be a, a quite a few more games for him to be able to get into a rhythm. He could only go up from here, like I said. There, You can't, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to see him go like 0 for 6 or anything. You know, I couldn't stop myself. I started looking up the history of the 26th overall pick, and <laughs> it's not great. Oh, it's, great not, it's not great. Look, like, you look at it, and it's just like a best-case scenario, uh, you know, Kevin Martin was drafted 26th overall, but like 20 years ago. And then all that matters you know, so much. Yeah, yeah. There's outside of George Hill, you're looking at Landry Schmidt. Uh, and then that that's pretty much it. The rest is guys that did not work out. So 26th overall pick, we know that's a tough pick to nail. I think, hey, there's a good enough sample size on Ben Shepard where I think he's going to be just fine. It's not like this is a it's not like they took a, a chance on a guy who was coming out of his freshman year from the MVC and, you know, it's kind of all up in the air. So I think he's going to be fine. But for game one, I love the first half. That second half was not quite as enjoyable. But defensively, we saw, I mean, five blocks out of Kendall Brown, three blocks out of Jarris Walker, three blocks out of Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Matherin had a block. Andrew Nemhard had a block. It just felt like the Pacers were contesting. Mm-hmm. They hold the Wizards to 83 points what does that mean i don't know if we'll ever know this is a the wizards look pretty lost out there at times but 
If you wanted to buy in a defense and you wanted to see something, you saw the Pacers out there hustling. And the one thing you really didn't see, and I think we can look over because it is summer league, Pacers really struggled from three. Four of 25, Ben Matherin had three of the four made threes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I, luckily there's a lot better shooters on the regular roster. The last thing I want to touch on this, great support from the, the Pacers veterans. Yeah, yeah. Alibert, Buddy, Obi Top, and Miles Turner was there. Bruce Brown was there. Um, just great. Neesmith and Warner were there too. Neesmith and Jordan War were like, that's awesome. Like, I just felt like they, when you, when you look at it, that's the majority of the roster. Like, yeah, you might not have had like a McConnell or a Tice or, you know, I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing Mm. someone else. I wonder where they could be. Jalen Smith. And those tend to be three guys that you don't really know long-term if they'll be here (laughs) or not, but you know, whatever it is, this is a tight young core. And I love how, how much they, you know, root each other on. No, you're totally right about that. And I think that's a great way to kind of close this out. I think if you're looking at the rookie head-to-head matchup, I think that Jairus Walker out played with a lot of for sure. Definitely. But I think we got to just take a moment and maybe apologize a little bit because Johnny Davis actually looked pretty good in this game, Fachi. He had his moments. He did. I was kind of impressed. He had moments in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Baldwin Jr. had some nice moments. I thought Ryan Rollins had some good moments. Um, but I was just like, okay. You know, Johnny Davis, you can tell like what one year of experience has done for him uh, just because he looked so bad last year. But I felt like this year, like there were some moments where he was really poised and got himself to where he needed to be at. So, you know, just want to shout out Johnny Davis because we've crapped on Johnny Davis a lot on this podcast. Just because yeah. We did not want him on our team last year no, as that draft no, pick. No, no. And I, th- I still think that we were right when I was saying that the sixth overall pick for Johnny Davis would have been a major uh, miss and a major reach. But it would I, I think that Johnny Davis with the Wizards and a rebuilding team right now, good opportunity for him to kind of get himself figured out with the NBA because the NBA is tough, man. And no matter who you are, where you're coming from, how good you were in college, it's just tough to be successful in the NBA. But Fachi, go ahead and let people know where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast. We put out four videos last week. That's right. Four new videos are up if you haven't checked those out. Please do that for us. And if you haven't already, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, because those ratings and reviews help us get more noticed by other Pacer fans. But Fachi, if you're excited that this Pacers team was swatting shots left and right yesterday against the Washington Wizards, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.